Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. <laughs> Welcome to the East-West Psychology Podcast, a forum for the exploration of psyche and spirit. Join our hosts, Jonathan Kay and Stefan Julich, and their guests as they delve into the intersection of psychology, philosophy, world wisdom traditions, the arts, and more. We would like to welcome our guest today, June Wang, and congratulate her on recently becoming a member of the East-West Psychology core faculty. In this episode, June recounts her journey from growing up in China and learning Chinese medicine to moving to the USA to study anthropology, and finally arriving here at the California Institute of Integral Studies. June starts the conversation by reciting Lao Tzu's poetry from the Tao Te Ching and continues to share her holistic approaches to well-being through the Chinese wisdom traditions. June discusses the fundamental interconnection of Chinese medicine and Taoist philosophy, and the practices of inner alchemy and cultivating qi, while at the end, highlighting her special connection to the music of the guqin, the ancient Chinese stringed instrument. Okay, welcome to another edition of the EWP Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay with my co-host, Stefan Julich. How are you, Stefan? I'm fine today. Thanks, Jonathan. Good. Do you want to introduce our guests today? Uh, well, today we have a really special guest. Every week we have a special guest, but this week we have a special, special guest. Um, a, uh, an adjunct for the East-West Psychology Department who specializes in uh, Chinese philosophy, psychology, in the arts and uh, has been with us for, I guess, about three years, right, June? You came to the school earlier with, did you come w through China projects or uh, with ACTCM or? Yeah, I came to CS uh, in uh, uh, two, 2016 uh, as a, a 
core faculty at ACTCM. Okay, okay. So anyway, so she's been there longer than I have in my current incarnation at CIS. Anyway, uh, June, June Wang, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to have a chat with both of you. Uh, very happy to talk anything you're interested in. Uh, yeah. Well, we thought that maybe you could start by uh, reciting uh, a poem, a Chinese poem, which would help bring us into um, the spirit and the, the wisdom of the tradition that you're from and what you bring to the department. Great idea. Um, I like uh, I like to recite a poem from Laozi, Dao De Jing, uh, because Dao De Jing um, is the, the most important uh, Taoist uh, classic, and it's written in like a poetry. Uh, although it's very profound, but the format is all like a poetry. And um, this this two short uh, poems is from chapter ten and chapter sixteen. Uh, I choose this also because um, these two poems also reflected the meditative state uh, where which you you achieve a, a very um, quietude uh, state and therefore uh, for Laozi you can only um, uh, obtain the, the Tao or understand Tao through cultivating a quiet state. Right, so when I teach how to cultivate qi and the Tao of life cultivation, I often uh, share these poems with my students. Um, so I will read first in Chinese and then English. Yeah. Um, chapter 10. Zai ying po bao yi, nang wu li hu, zhuan qi zhi rou, nang ying er hu, di chu xuan lan, Nang Wu Tsu Ai Min Jiguo Nang Wu Jihu Tianmen Kai He Nang Wei Tsu Ming Bai Sida Nang Wu Wei Hu English translation To keep the spirit and body embracing oneness Can you let them not be separated To concentrate the breath attaining softness. Can you be like an infant? To clear thoughts of the mysterious inside, can you eliminate all flaws? To love the people and govern the state, can you be without knowledge? To open and close the heavenly gates, can you be the female? To understand all things in the four directions, can you be in non-action? Yeah, that's it, that's uh, uh, chapter 10. That's beautiful. I, so I, I didn't realize that the original is actually written in uh, a metered verse, right? I mean, it sounded like there's an actual meter to it that repeats from line to line. Yes, yeah, there's a rhythm and a rhyme in the end. Right, I, you know, I've only seen translations that were, um, you know, free translations of it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I've never seen a verse. I don't know. Are there any English translations that are verse translations that you've seen? Well, I, I haven't seen any. Yeah, it's not easy to translate into English. Also have the meaning and the word and the rhyme. Who is the, whose translation did you use? This one, I think, is uh, David Hinton's. Yeah. He's a translator, also a poem himself. Right. So this very, very short poem, yeah. And and you can see the in the end actually uh, he's basically he will say the the state uh, of wu wei or non-action is you actually embracing the oneness and as soft type as a, a baby and um, ruining the country uh, without knowledge, which means um, forget about all the existing. Um, opinions like completely open to the possibility and the happening in the universe yeah um so this this poems uh, embodied all the Taoist philosophy and also uh cultivating uh, life and the wisdom yeah all the practice yeah both practice and the metaphysics of Tao. well i had you know i had always assumed that lao tzu was uh, preceded Zhangzi, right? And then I th remember in a class once you said that it's possible that that Latsu came later, that Zhangzi was the earlier. Right. That that some scholars' uh, uh, research have shown the literature because Laozi is very mysterious figure, right? We we don't know if historically he's really exists or if there's a several other people maybe behind the book of Laozi. Uh, and then Zhuangzi, uh, um, the language in Zhuangzi is very different from Laozi. So, so, so the, there, there's uh, some historical research will say it looks like maybe Zhuangzi can be earlier than Laozi. But we, well, it's not certain. Yeah, it's just some evidence on that. What do you think? Do you think Laozi, is it likely that it was a, a collection of people or a school of thought or that it was a single individual? I think Lao Tzu, uh, there, because the, there's a biography written by a historian, Sima Qian, in the first century. And so he, in his, in his uh, text, he, he said, he, he just have a very specific story about Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu is a librarian of the Zhou dynasty. So at that time, uh, the librarian is very powerful because they keep all the secret books, such as the Book of Change. And uh, they are most knowledgeable, and also uh, they related as a historical official. So in ancient China, uh, historical official are a very powerful position in the in the empire because they they have to know the the heavenly orders. They 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 can be able to read the signs from the uh, heaven, so they they can predict things because they know the history. So you will. Uh, like a prophet, you know what's happening. Very wise people who knows astrology, book of change, know all the all kinds of schools of knowledge can be like this position. So in Sima Qian's uh, recording, Lao this this position. Then Confucius went to visit him and ask and uh, ask him about Li, ask him about Tao and so forth. So. 
uh, and then there's another two people which uh, is called Lao Dan and uh, uh, some other name. So people people say maybe the, another person is a hermit is has no position in the court, but he's also very wise. And in Confucius Analect, there's an encounter between Confucius and this hermit uh, wise guy. So um, it, it can be one person maybe mainly or maybe two together put put this uh, book together this this book is pretty consistent yeah i have two parts one is on doubt the other one is on virtue um and then the, there's some rep repetitives and uh, um i think i think it's it's not so important whether it's one person or several people compose this book i know in in western religion, I guess, if you want to equate it with that, that people often get very touchy <laughs> if you challenge the received view. So there are, would be people who would absolutely refuse to accept that there would be more than one person, perhaps, because of their religious beliefs. Taoism has two uh, aspects. One is religious Taoism. The other one is philosophical Taoism. So Actually, Taoism is a very, very ambiguous category. It's not a, really a religion. It's, it's just covers such a broad, uh, all kinds of, uh, uh, including you know, Chinese medicine, uh, inner alchemy, Taoist religion. There's a, also several different Taoist religions over the history. Uh, some of them emphasize on rituals, some of them like you said, it's more religious. The other ones are more philosophical, actually. They they won't treat Lao Tzu as a god or anything, but some uh, Taoist religious school, they do treat Lao Tzu as a, a, a deity or immortals. Yeah. June, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your background in anthropology and Chinese medicine so that we can just get a sense of how you bring this this uh, you know wisdom tradition Taoism into the department, because even part of that poem that you just recited, you know, not knowing it, Taoism presents some extremely big questions about the the role and the purpose of knowledge, and that word knowledge is is very different from a Western perspective, and so that really stood out to me from the poem. And so maybe a little bit about your background um, coming to the USA and how you, you, how you approach bringing this into the department, into a basically an academic um, conversation. So I grew up with my uh, family education in traditional Chinese culture and classics. And so uh, I, I choose to study Chinese medicine mainly because my personally, I have a, I, I, I have a lost some illness as a child, so I want to study medicine to uh, discover, you know, how to treat, how to make people uh, healthy and so forth. Um, and um, I, I was, uh, I was well. There's one thing I want to say is when I was practicing medicine in the hospital, um, I have this experience very strange experience. Um, when I see patients, like people have headaches or have other 
physical illness. After I prescribe like acupuncture or herbs, after that, I always feel like I received the illness from the patient. I will have the same headache, the same pain. And it's bothered me a lot because after I see a lot of patients, I feel exhausted, like my my own body feel all the problems. Um, so I, I I don't know why, why I have this problem. So I ask my teacher and some other experienced doctor and they say it's happened sometimes uh, at the beginning of the career and you just need to learn how to protect yourself. Uh, for example, you wear a white coat or wash your hands each time you do the acupuncture. And um, but but I feel like my my own physical body is not very strong enough to treat uh, patients. I feel I, I do feel I still have the weakness in me. And so I, I uh, find a teachers outside the university who can teach me qigong and uh, um yeah mainly qigong and also tai chi quan so i i i have been practicing for many years uh throughout the college and actually i joined the tai chi quan team in my college and uh uh we we do a lot of tournament even national tournament into other colleges, I really got into it because that's the only way I can feel healthy and uh, strong enough to treat patients. Um, and um, in, towards my end of my uh, internship in the hospital, I met an anthropologist who is doing field work research in China. Uh, he's a German uh, doctor, but uh, he's doing his got his PhD from the University of Cambridge. So he, he introduced me to a lot of classic uh, British uh, anthropologist works. Uh, and uh, he, he explained a lot of things which I found very interesting about traditional culture and healings. And, um, and also, I feel like I really, I really drawn to this idea uh, of anthropology, which is um, uh, focused on um, open to different culture, tradition, and uh, different ways of knowing and the practice. Especially, um, I remember the first uh, book I read is Levi Strauss, The Savage Mind. Uh, Levi Strauss is a French anthropologist and he's a, a structuralist. Uh, belong to the structuralist school. Uh, it's a long time ago, it's more than 20 years. So I just re just remember, I, I, it's opened my eyes uh, to see, uh, his, his main point is, um, his kind of, his work is criticizing the colonialist view at, at his time in the uh, early 20th century to look to have a hierarchical view of uh, uh, oh, oh, Western-centric view of other cultures. So he's criticizing that. As basically, he's saying, actually, uh, every culture or every society have the have a similar um, structures of organizing their, uh, for example, language, social networks, and culture. 
So there, so there is actually no difference between the modern and the so-called primitive people's culture or the mind mindset. Uh, so uh, the so-called traditional primitive peoples actually have very uh, sophisticated culture system, symbolic system. It's just a different from the West. So you cannot dismiss the other people's. Uh, rationality as uh, superstitious or uh, um, uh, unscientific and so forth. So it's, it's, it's related with what his uh, view with Chinese medicine, the, the, the view of between Chinese medicine and Western medicine often fit in this kind of hierarchy view. So, um, so a lot of uh, part, so a lot of the I, I, I restarted to appreciate actually my own culture and uh, through the lens of uh, culture anthropology. And also I always feel it's important to study, for example, um, Taoist philosophy in order to study Chinese medicine. I, I feel it's the root of Chinese medicine. So. Uh, and uh, and later, after I uh, came to the United States, I read more other people's work, especially anthropologists, historians, historians, uh, medical historians' work. They all confirmed my understanding. Actually, uh, Chinese medicine is 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 not just a medicine; it's including philosophy, psychology, astrology, and uh, uh, feng shui, for example as well because when you treat the people you have to know you, you you should not just only know the physical body you should know the the illness the so-called physical manifestation is about everything this person uh leave you know about her life her family and uh, the environment uh the ancestors you know the family history and so forth so I have been uh, also treating myself. I have been trying to become more healthy. And uh, um, I, I feel, you know, there's also you need to uh, address many different uh, aspects of your life uh, in addition to do acupuncture and herbs, like uh, how you, how you uh, change the diet, for example, based on the constitutional type uh, you are, and also like when you when I moved from Beijing to, for example, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, the weather is very different. the The soil, the water, is very different. So how I adapt to this kind of change, you know, and also the culture change is is a is a big change for me. I remember I I feel uh, extremely lonely and. Uh, um, a lot of uh, challenges when I first came to United States. So the first year uh, when I was in uh, graduate school, uh, although I really liked the, the subject, but I, I have a lot of problem and both language barriers and culture barriers. Um, so only in the end of the year, um, I I, st I forgot exactly how I started, but someone asked me about uh, uh, what I was doing. Maybe in the morning, maybe someone saw me in the in the garden uh, while I was practicing uh, qigong and tai chi. Actually, I didn't practice much because 
so much work and I feel so stressed. So I, I haven't been practicing much. And uh, I, I always feel kind of uh, tired as well. So anyway, there, so there's a uh, opportunity. So someone, so I started to teach um, uh, Tai Chi Quan in the university's botanical garden and then started with small group and then there's more and more students. And so it's a very beautiful garden. Uh, in Chapel Hill, and uh, um, so I, I feel like my my fate kind of changed after I started to teach uh, Qigong and Tai Chi Quan. I have more friends, and the people started to know me. Uh, people become uh, yeah very interested in Chinese culture, and uh, at that time, it's, you know, it's the nineteen ninety six. There are very 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 few. Asian people in North Carolina. Like I, I'm the only Asian students in my uh, uh, school, and so no, I remember people do stare at me. It's very different from San Francisco, and there's no Asian stores. I have to drive one hour to in order to get some green vegetable, and so that's how difficult it is. And at that time, there's no like I cannot call my family so easy. No like uh, social media. So it's very isolated experience. Um, so I feel like somehow started, when, when I started to, to, share, to, to share and uh, uh, to teach Chinese culture, especially Qigong and the Tai Chi Quan, everything changed in my environment. I, I become happier. And also I joined this, uh, the international uh, office also asked me if I can teach for the K-12 schools all over North Carolina. So every month, at least one weekend, we would drive to all the remote areas of North Carolina and to I will give a presentation usually uh, with another Chinese uh, professor, he's an art uh, professor. So two of us will give presentation for half day, like to almost the every, like they will, Show, show us to their, the uh, the gym and uh, there's uh, several great students who there will present, I remember. So I have done this for many years. I have uh, uh, visited many, many K-12 schools all over uh, North Carolina and get to know the, the, the state very well, actually. Um, anyway, so this is my experience. I, I feel Americans really don't have much education about Asia and uh, especially China. And most of the most of the time, the media's reports about China is very, very biased. It's not based on fact, but it's more like ideology uh, behind the report. Um, so I I feel this is my commitment. You know, if I uh, in the future, if I can teach, I will. I want to teach. Uh, with um, more um, conscientious about all these problems, especially East and West uh, difference. Um, so after I graduate, um, um, I, I have a professor, actually, one well, of my very respected professor. He's a Jungian uh, anthropologist. Uh, so I have been TA with him. Uh, on his course on symbols and consciousness. Uh, so I, I, at that time I started, I get to know Jung and 
the, the textbook he uses, the portable yong. So I read some, but I, at that time I don't really have a very deep understanding. I just feel, oh, that's very interesting. Uh, I'm interested in the collective con unconsciousness. Um, um, and one graduate, uh, he told me, this professor told me, he said, um, you know, the, the best you can get from anthropology is not to do anthropology. And I found that's very interesting. It sounds very like a Dao, Lao Tzu will say something like very paradoxical. So I said, why, why I should not do anthropology? But he's, he, he didn't say anything. He just, he's, he's very interesting. He always... Uh, he, he never really told uh, students directly. He always used his dreams or some other stories uh, to, to explain things. Um, so I really like this, this professor. And I, at that time, I had a very good uh, uh, um, face, actually, in, uh, in Jungian theory, even. But I, after, after graduate, I didn't uh, really find a job in anthropology. I, I'm... Uh, I first worked at the integrative uh, research, uh, integrative clinic at UNC uh, Chapel Hills Hospital. And we got uh, NIH grants um, to do research on how acupuncture can help people with neurological disorders. Um, so so I, I do collaborate with scientists actually, biomedicine doctors, and I, this is the, the trend or the mainstream uh, currently in Chinese medicine field. Um, although I, I don't really think that uh, can really help Chinese medicines to develop, it's actually it's more to confirm what we already know or make it more legitimate for um, American popul populations to accept or especially the the doctors, the physicians to accept Chinese medicine. So that's the purpose, I think, for most of the research, clinical research we do. Um, then I, uh, I, have, I, I did my postdoc in South Korea and also United, uh, United Kingdom, University of Cambridge, uh, based on more uh, interest in the history of medicine and so forth. And then I, worked uh, almost 80 years in San Francisco State uh, Holistic Health Department, where I, I really enjoyed teaching um, uh, holistic health medicine, Chinese, med Chinese perspective on holistic health and so forth, the three or four courses. Um, it is a mainly undergraduate uh, course, huge, big uh, course, like 50 students often. And uh, so I, I have a a uh, um, lot of experience with with uh, university lecturing, and uh, I really I just discovered I really enjoy teaching more even than clinical practice. I, I feel um, I liked the the way we we uh, you know a lot of students that they they give me the feedback they have is they really they, they just feel this knowledge is so precious. Uh, to their life and they can change after taking just the one class or they can continue to practice. They feel it's completely a new uh, window to them, to their life. Um, so that's make me very happy and satisfied because why, 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 uh, why I feel like I'm, I can 
um, bring a new way of looking at the body and the life is a, is a is a huge. It's just like what I experienced before. You know, when I, when I first contact anthropology, I just realized, oh, there's so many many new ways of looking at things. You know, just not just the one way. It, it's it's a liberating feeling. So. I want to pass this kind of experience to my students and to share with other people. Um, and then uh, I have a followed followed by uh, I I have a administrative jobs for two or three years. Uh, I uh, as a president of uh, acupuncture school in Oakland first, and then I get. Involved more of the in the field of Chinese medicine, I get to know ACTCM. Uh, I'm the president, uh, Li Xin, and uh, uh, so one day he, Li Xin told me, "Oh, we are we are merged with uh, CIIS, uh, the, the the school in San Francisco," and and I was very surprised. I said, "Oh, ACTCM merged with." CS, uh, that's how interesting. So we, because many years ago I visited CS, uh, uh, just a, maybe a, a, by, by a previous colleague, he, and also I at that time CS very small. Uh, there's the, the lobby is not built yet, and I I just feel like it's like a little gem in this big city. And I remember I I saw the tankas uh, high on the third floor. Many many tankas and uh, Buddhist statues, beautiful paintings, and I just like the atmosphere. Um, and it, it just remind me. Uh, but at that time, I I just feel oh, this is a nice school. I just feel very very special. I never expected some something can happen can can exist. This kind of school can exist. So when Li Xin told me ACTCM merged with CS. Uh, I was very excited. I said, "That's the way to go. That's that's the way Chinese medicine should situate it. Should situate it in a very spiritual, very um, alternative school." I just feel so excited. So I I, I quit my job actually at uh, Oakland and come to join ACTCM as the doc as the director of the DOM program, the Doctor of Acupuncture and Medicine. Um, so I, and that, at that time also Li Xin has, and I have been also working on grant, uh, uh, uh writing. So Li Xin already have a grant from Toronto, one of the Chinese, uh, uh, traditional Chinese pharmaceutical company, I think. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of potential to explore. Uh, and I, I, I feel like. We can have a lot of cross-disciplinary collaborations between ACTCM and the departments in, at CIS and have a new psychotherapy mod modalities, uh, you know, combined with uh, Chinese medicine, with, uh, for example, somatic psychology, transpersonal psychology, and so forth. So I do talk with some faculty. Everyone's quite interested and. Uh, um, however, because of this, um, you know, merging is not a very easy process, and it will take a long time for 
uh, two institutes to merge, and uh, also there's there are very different culture. Um, at ACTCM, I think um, they are more interested in uh, integrative medicine with with uh, Western medicine, in, rather than to see more of the uh, spiritual religious part of Chinese medicine, because I can understand that because that's a mainstream, especially in the past two years, uh, the Chinese medicine has become more uh, uh, accepted by the, main, the, the, the healthcare system due to the opiate um, production problem. So, um, so many, so, so, so there's a lot of research uh, is done now to, to see more effects of Chinese medicine. So, so Chinese medicine is still on that direction, on the science direction. But my, I, I already done that before, you know, I, I feel like that's very limited way of understanding Chinese medicine. So I'm more interested to open, to have a culturally grounded, spiritual oriented way to understand and to develop Chinese medicine. So that's how I found the EWP uh, departments. Uh, I, I, I feel uh, immediately when I read EWP's mission uh, on cross-disciplinary, cross-cultural, transcultural, transpersonal psychology, and all the courses you are teaching, and I just feel so resonant with what I, I want to do. And so, um, so I, I, so I started, you know, to to teach uh, courses uh, as adjunct faculty over the past two or three years, and I, I created uh, maybe one or two new courses um, based on this idea, such as the Tao of Life Cultivation and Chinese Body Mind uh, Healing Systems. It's a cross disciplinary investigation of uh, Chinese medicine. Um, I like to teach, I, I really like to uh, teach Chinese uh, philosophy and the religions through the lens of health and wellness, because I think people really understand much better when they, when they, uh, when they can apply to their own life, when they can make themselves uh, healthy and wellness, because this is a foundation. And I also, I, I think health is wisdom. Uh, based on my own ex clinical experience, uh, I think to be healthy or medicine is not uh, just a technology. That's the lowest level of medicine. The highest medicine is wisdom. Uh, you, you should teach people how to, people should have this wisdom, then you can be really healthy because health is body, mind, the spirit. Um, and uh, I, I, I feel um, this is really the core I want to teach uh, is, is, uh, is through um, practice, um, through embodied understanding. And Chinese philosophy is itself actually is not a, it's not the same as Western philosophy. Uh, Chinese philosophy is, is always focused on the person rather than uh, abstract truths. Chinese philosophy is not looking for uh, absolute or, or 
ultimate truth. It's mainly about how we can live harmoniously in this universe. So it's really the, the center is person. Therefore, it's very uh, psychological and uh, spiritual oriented, or you can say morality oriented. How to how to be a moral or virtual person, and this is the key to participate in this harmonious world. Uh, so that's how I teach Chinese philosophy and the psychology, is to show uh, the you know. Um, for example, Chinese philosophy, the three traditions are Taoism, Confucianism, and uh, Buddhism. And these three traditions, they're different, but also they all, they all integrated in Chinese intellectual history. Most Chinese educated people have to know and practice the three. And in the historically, they also merged in many, many ways, intertwined these three traditions, rather than it's not really conflicting uh, between them. And uh, um, and they all embodied in Chinese medicine too. For example, uh, of course, Chinese medicine, the core uh, theories draw from Taoist, from Taoist view of cosmological view uh, of yin yang and the five elements, um, but the, the Chinese doctor, their heart or their cultivating uh, is both Confucianist and uh, Buddhist as well. So they have you, you have to develop this really high um, compassion uh, to see patient because Chinese doctor actually using their own body to treat the patient. You know, when you put needles, when you prescribe herbs, even the diagnosis is all through the hand, through your the watching, through talking with people, it's very intimate uh, between the doctor and the patient. So you have to have this high ethical attitude to patients, you know. Um, but the modern medicine, for example, is more connected. Doctors are connected more with the machines, right? They're looking at the pictures rather than the the person, or they. They didn't really treat the subjective experience of the patient as equally, even as the scientific laboratory results. So Chinese medicine is just opposite, really treating the what the people say, how they feel is more important than so-called objective results of things, right? Um, so I, I, I think Chinese philosophy is more inclusive to, to it more, inclusive to everyone can can learn and can use because it's it's it's, uh, it's really there's no um hegemonic system in this uh uh in this tradition yeah it's really based on life everyday life right? or ordinary life so yeah so I, I, I just feel wholeheartedly, I feel like EWP is like my uh, intellectual home, although I always feel like a nomad, you know, moving between East and West, I always have two languages, two cultures, uh, or multiple cultures in, in my life, but uh, I feel EWP somehow can 
really, I feel really the first first time I feel like I, I like a home in America outside of China. Yeah. So that's my story. That's really beautiful, John. I, you know, I, I'm just if I can give a personal reflection on your classes from my experience. Um, mm. Is that okay? Sure, yes. Uh, I'm, you know, we, the school is the California Institute of in Integral Studies, and integrality is a very important piece in the philosophy of the school and the background of the school. And of course, the word integral is taken from Sri Aurobindo's yoga, which attempts to integrate uh, different forms of yoga, but it's essentially f physical, energetic, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. And I think that we, you know, we attempt to do that in our program. It's attempted in the school as well to greater or lesser uh, degrees of success. But sitting in your class and studying Chinese philosophy, it was really evident to me as sitting there and feeling somehow within the, just the presentation of the ideas themselves, a sense of well-being. Whereas with many other areas and many other areas of philosophy or thought or psychology, I, the ideas may inspire me, I may struggle with them, but they, they, they don't provide that same level of well-being. And I, I have always thought, and you can correct me, but it, it's always, it seemed to me that the reason for that feeling was, I mean, I, it could boil it down to something like the five element theory or this idea that, for instance, if, if you have a heart problem, you don't look at the heart directly. There's another organ system that you might need to look at, that everything within the human being and so everything in the universe is interconnected. So to mm -hmm. look at one thing in isolation, which is the kind of the Western scientific way of doing things, is to, is to pin it on the wall the way you would pin a butterfly or an insect on the wall. It's kind of to kill it in a way. But the mm -hmm. feeling that I get when I'm when I'm learning about Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine, Taoism especially, but even Confucianism is that all things are connected and the, the teaching itself flows through ideas and flows through systems and flows through organs and flows through beings. Um, so, you know, Jung quoted, a, I think it was a medieval or a, maybe a... Um, a um, uh, more ancient person, I, and I don't remember who it was, who talked about the sympathy of all things. And I just love that phrase, the sympathy of all things. And my experience in being in the classroom with you was that that's what you were expressing, how all things are kind of in sympathy with one another. And the, and the presentation of Chinese philosophy really... Um, makes me feel or helps me to feel in the presence of that just learning the philosophy because it's not about isolating thank you Stefan you're you, you really described um, very elegantly and correct about the uh, connection interconnecting of everything in the universe um, uh, I think um Uh, when we have anxiety or sometimes we Chinese medicine we say too much fire uh, is it, the heart 
problems, uh, have insomnia, people. And then we, we actually considered the a small intestine together with the heart because they both belong to the fire elements. And uh, so the small intestine, for example, is in charge of digestion, absorbing nutrition and so forth. So it's, it's easier for acupuncture herbal medicine to reach the small intestine than the heart because the heart um, meridian or the, uh, the, the organ is more deep and the more, not so easy to be accessed by acupuncture and the, uh, herbal medicine. So, so we, we, we do treat the small intestine. So like, for example, have, have some herbs to help the urination and so forth. So the fire can go through actually the uh, intestines. Uh, that's a one way. So it's, it's indirect, but a very effective way to, to treating the heart. Um, um, and I think the maybe in my unconsciousness, I, I do I do feel like I have the responsible to bring wellness to everyone around me. So <laughs> including in my classroom, yeah. I like I, I like to serve tea for my students, for example, and it's just a just a very natural I, I feel to to make people feel um, e a sense of ease and uh, relax. And then I think you can absorb the knowledge more easily. And, and also you can feel the flow of everything in this, both in this knowledge system and also in my presentation. Yeah, I think that, that um, you know, I was just having an uh, exchange with a student who, wrote a term paper that was really beautiful, very ensouled, uh, poetry, journal entries, mm. uh, wove just a really lovely narrative. And uh, I, you know, I, could, I recognized what it was that they were, they were trying to do, and I named it, and they asked me if I could direct them towards books or that might help them develop this as a voice, as, an, as a scholarly voice. And I was thinking about how, uh, in you know, while you while you were talking, I was thinking about how the the way in which you teach is really embodies those principles. I mean, embody may be the wrong word because embodiment is part of it. I mean, it mm -hmm. it completely it's a it's a it's a kind of a uh, an integration of both of of the mind and the heart and the body. And it's right there in the classroom, in the way that you're teaching the material. But I think that the material lends itself to that. It's really mm -hmm. in integrated at, at different levels. So we talk about multiple um, kind of learning or teaching or writing from multiple intelligences or um, in an integrated way. And here we have, even within our own program, this these classes that are models f for that where all of the, these different aspects of what we are are engaged. And the tea is, is a bonus, it's wonderful. I want to even do more on, on, about this. You know, uh, I, I feel many students have given me feedback as they love this kind of, they young for this kind of uh, experience uh, and the learning. Um, so I, 
I that's that's one thing I, in the future I want to incorporate more of this uh, embodied or um, experiential learning. A theme that's come out. You've mentioned Jung. You've t- talked about Taoism, um, mm. and the idea of the whole and its parts, the relationship of the whole to the parts. So the ideas of 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 holism and you know different different cultures and different re- religions, different philosophies have different ways of of talking about our apparent disconnection in some ways, but underneath the surface or let's say beyond a certain barrier or horizon there is this connection to the whole um and like stefan had pointed out and and you pointed out it's it's very it's beautiful and very fitting that you ended up at the institute of integral studies which is you know i think that this is one big question that the school has been dealing with in various ways in various disciplines ever since the the founding of it um, I was wondering if you could speak maybe a little bit more about how that relationship is um, is come to 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 be felt or known, um, and maybe you could relate that to the process of cultivating chi, because it seems as though to me that the knowing knowing the 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 place within the whole would mean mean knowing the Tao and knowing knowing uh intimately knowing the chi mm-hmm. um yes the you know chi is uh, almost in, impossible to define like most people will not trying even to define chi it's because chi is uh is is very um difficult to describe in english um because Qi is, we can only describe Qi, like Qi is, we can say Qi is both matter and non-matter. So as soon as I say this, it's already very contradictory in English because A cannot be non-A, but Qi is, you know, both matter and non-matter. And this is, uh, it's like a media, you can say between maybe matter physical matter and mind and is is the uh when Lao Tzu Dao De Jing said uh Dao give birth to one one give birth to two uh what does the one means uh most people think the one means the qi the original qi of the universe where everything comes from this one qi um and uh um, oh, sometimes people say the one is Tai Ji, the, the ultimate extremity, um, which Tai Ji or Qi have this, later have this yin-yang dichotomy interacting with each other, supplementary to each other. So Qi is this oneness uh, we, we all uh, have and uh, come from. So from human being to animal, plants, and rock, to everything in the universe, we united with this qi. So when we say cultivating qi, because qi is what made, what the narrow sense of qi is what make our personal life available. So when, when we say someone is alive, we say they have qi. 
So when someone dead, actually their qi is broken, we say. So qi is what sustains life. And it's most basic, the basic uh, uh, element of our life. So when we're cultivating qi, it really means to cultivating the connection between my this my uh, physical body to a broader uh, universe. So the, the the larger you can connect with the universe, the stronger your qi can be. Uh, just on the other hand, if you disconnect with your environment, your the universe, and then your qi will become weaker, actually. Uh, so, and there's many, many ways of cultivating qi. And um, let me think how I can connect with qi, with, with Jung, with Jung's uh, theory on psychology. Um, because, because I haven't really given too much thought on, on qi and uh, unconsciousness. Um, but I feel like when we do the qigong together, for example, when we do the standing meditation, actually when this is really wu wei practice, so you are doing nothing, just standing still. Um, and I told students don't have any expectation when you're standing there and just uh, visualize um, the, 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 the energy from the edge of the universe come to your lower dentian area. And then you, you're just standing there, actually. You don't need to do anything. However, when you don't do anything, your internal she is working very actively. Um, therefore, this is the, what Taoist philosophy Wu Wei uh, manifests in our qi movement in, in our body. And um, so this is just an example. And uh, I also think the qi, when qi, there's many different um, layers of qi. Um, I feel when we when we feel our qi is connected or very strong, I, I feel like it's almost like a consciousness and unconsciousness become how I don't know if Jung have talked about this. This is it's like this two it's like yin yang become harmonized you know in a very smooth way um so so i feel the conscious and unconscious can be united by the qi as well it can, can be interpreted maybe through the qi cultivation um my my experience uh, is teaching this course uh, I have a lot of students from ICP and uh, somatic psychology, and uh, they told me they, they, they really like this class because they they finally feel like they they, they were uh, or like rediscover the body, like they, they suddenly they realize they can they can feel more about the body than before, and. Um, um, and they, they do use like some psychotherapists, the 
uh, terms to describe their experience. Uh, it's more than actually, I, I didn't realize that even that they told me a lot about their experience or they, they wrote in their journals. Um, I think, I think the, the first step, for example, is to relax, to learn how to relax both the mind and the body to relax. And um, because tea can flow in only when we are relaxed, more can, can flow very, very effectively. And then the body can heal itself. It's like an active the healing system by allowing the qi to flow, to heal itself. Right? It's very simple, um, but most time people, we don't do this kind of practice or we forgot how to relax. So that's, that's why this, I, I think we, we, we need more uh, uh, practice these days to keep, uh, keep ourselves, um, have a more um, openness for the qi to flow. And then after the qi flow, your mind become more clear. So that's a, can reach a, a greater awareness by allowing the qi flow. As I said, the qi is actually media between the physical body and the mind. Uh, of course, and then the higher level is the Taoist inner alchemy. When you refine the qi through exercise, the qi can transform into the spirit. And then the spirit eventually become the uh, so-called emptiness in Taoist, um, it, it's like um, nirvana almost in, from Buddhist sense, but that's the higher level. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that I think that um, maybe the closest you could come in Jung's uh, ideas is the what's what he called the psychoid, which was this mm -hmm. kind of interface, this place where the um, the physical body um, uh, intersects with the non-physical, either the instincts or the archetypes, and I think that that's probably where the end, the background energy of the universe, or the energy that pervades and upholds all things, that's where it meets it meets the body. So there's mm -hmm. a the the union this this idea of the union of of consciousness and unconsciousness. And the you know the body and the non-body um, are all I th I think would probably fall into that category. Jung doesn't talk a lot about the body. I mean, he does, mm. but it's not really a part of what he's attempting to do. So mm. he did it in his own life, and in in other places you can go into memories, dreams, reflections, or in letters and stuff, and he'll talk more about the physical body. But he was really kind of focused on the the psychological, mm -hmm. so it's not as mm -hmm. strong in his work. It's the, the this idea of of chi, he doesn't really talk about mm -hmm. cultivating necessarily the background um, energy of the universe and storing it in the body. Not not that I can mm -hmm. think of. I I have a quick question, June, about the Taoist. Um, uh, equivalence of consciousness because mm. that's a word that we sort of can use but it, it it implies certain assumptions and i know that in the class i took with you 
we explored beyond some of those assumptions and into um, sort of nuanced the way in which Taoism um, looks at sort of the, the experience in general, in totality of, of, a, of a subject. About consciousness, uh, the majority of Taoist religious schools have uh, divided the consciousness into two kinds. So one is um, called xin, xin which is the ordinary consciousness we have, like thinking, memory, this consciousness. And then behind this uh, consciousness, there's a xin shen, the, the mind, the spirit. Uh, so this uh, consciousness is, um, is numinous, is is uh, how to describe it? Is the so-called spirit or the original spirit or the original mind? Uh, so that's the distinguish between the consciousness. So when when we don't think, when we stop uh, the the what do you call the monkey mind or thinking too much, or we can when we tame the the mind to be quiet. And then the spiritual mind will shine, will function, will run in charge. So that's the um, that's that's in Taoist called the shen, the shen shi, the the spiritual consciousness. Yeah. To roughly translate, so there's ordinary consciousness, and then there's a spiritual consciousness. And so the Taoist the practice is trying to. Um, tame the ordinary consciousness or purify the ordinary consciousness so they can or transform the ordinary consciousness so they can be um, with the spiritual consciousness. Um, and then the spiritual consciousness is like knowing, it's like a naturally knowing everything, like not through words or through intellectual cognitive methods yeah he's have this holistic knowing yeah yeah i i wanted to uh bring up that i found that your classes that i took they definitely changed my experience of how to really utilize energy and in musical expression so when we were doing cultivating chi and learning about learning the whole psychology philosophy um, that grounds that practice and 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 but just doing that practice with you it really gave me a, a different source that i hadn't explored very consciously in my musical life and it really has uh it's changed everything for me in a way it's been extremely important mm -hmm. and i just wanted to sort of bring the maybe the conversation to your practice as a musician because you've been exploring this as well in your own life through um, playing Guchin. Music, I, exactly. So the uh, music is really related with the qi and is more closely related, uh, I think, because uh, in Chinese we say the music is directly connected with the heart or directly connected with the heart-mind. Um, I, I feel especially Guqin music uh, is um, the oldest uh, 
music in Chinese uh, culture, perhaps even in the world music uh, history, and it's um, it is it, it's, it's embodied actually the the most Taoist philosophy in this instrument. Uh, one very special uh, character of this music is is uh, is not loud. It's very sound is quiet and uh, sounds like from far away. And it's also, uh, Chinese say the Gu Qin has nine virtues. Uh, it's, a, it's even better than the virtues of uh, the Junzi, the noble person. Uh, so the nine virtues include the exact ideal for, for a human being actually, but this uh, this instrument already have all these nine virtues. So that's including the, as I said, is is uh, because the the sound is very quiet. It's, it's vibrating just within it, and it's, so it's representing um, the cultivating of the inner power rather than outside wealth or reputation. So it's more about inwardly cultivation. And um, and then the the Gu Qin is um, when you play Gu Qin, you have to clear your mind. You really have to be very quiet, uh, and then you can vibrate with this instrument together. Uh, the most ideal state is to forget about yourself. Actually, it's not you playing the Gu Qin. It's actually the the you 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 become the Gu Qin and then you hear the sound or like the sound guiding you. So it's it's a, a like a self-forgetting process. Um, and also Gu Qin is is very personal, very individual, uh, private personal instrument. Usually don't perform in the public and it's the Confucius intellectuals uh, necessity like in their studio uh, because you have to, Confucius, uh, he himself played Gu Qin and he said this is the best way to cultivating the noble character of a person. Right. So I, I fall in love with it because I'm not a, very knowledgeable about music. I, I, I can't play any other instruments too complicated to me like piano or Violin, I like this. I like this sound, but too difficult to practice. So Gu Qin is easy to learn. Actually, simple seven strings, um, but it requires a lot of uh, knowledge about Chinese history, Chinese philosophy. The more you know Chinese philosophy, actually, you can play Gu Qin better. So I have a lot of Gu Qin friends. Actually, some of them are very famous performers. Uh, so although I don't have the technique they have, like the fingers technique, and uh, but they say I, I know how to breathe with Gu Qin, right? And also I, I can pass the quietus to the audience, right? So I, I think that's because my, my other uh, backgrounds to make this music um, have this effect. And especially my, there's a Chinese medicine doctor saying, they feel like they, 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 they can play the Gu Qin music while doing acupuncture because the, 
the qin music make the patients uh, uh, very peace, so they can have better effects when they receive acupuncture. Mm. So I have been practiced gu qin, especially when I feel like my heart, my mind is uh, not not uh, not um, in peace or a lot of or when I feel tired even. So gu qin is really for me, it's, it's like a therapy. After a few minutes, and then I can I can calm down. I can I can become relaxed, and all of these troubles in my mind can can be washed away, like a water, really like water flow away. And I I think I'm a I'm a uh, constitutionally I was very sensitive and very easily to receive, perhaps. Um, negative energy or uh, become easily anxious or bouncing. So I do need something like more stable, making me always can make things simplify and make it quiet. So so I'm just depending on just gu qin to to keep a to keep my mind and uh, in peace. Well, June has been wonderful spending time. Um, and getting a very good uh, glimpse into the vision and, and absolutely important and I think you know a critical kind of cross and, and transcultural vision that you are bringing um, that you're doing in your work you're bringing to the school and uh, thank you so much for sharing that we've spent great time today uh, chatting about all these things um, and hearing a little poetry next time maybe some Guchin music yes yeah, thank you so much. I feel so comfortable to talk with two of you, and it's really inspiring to hear your uh, ideas as well. And yeah, next time we can have tea and gu <laughs> qin. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So this is wonderful. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank and you. Take care.